reputation. Okay, welcome Sarah, to this week's Sarah's episode of Murder Most Irish. Uh, hello. <laughs> I'm back. She's I'm alive. Back. She's not riddled anymore. I don't know. I could still be riddled. You're not riddled. You're not riddled. I think it's what, four days or something you're not riddled. Listen, don't listen to any medical advice we give because you're not doctors. Anyway, I've been nice saying for 10 other. days. That's what the HSE said I had to do. I've been so nice saying that, say, considering the fact that you were like in the house and you weren't leaving when you felt sick, you know, that yes. was before you got your test or yeah. whatever. So uh, if I get yeah, COVID, actually that's true. It's probably ten, it's eleven, twelve, thirteen. I don't think it would be my fault. Well, I don't I see home, how. I'm just gonna blame you. But if you blame me, I'll feel bad about it then. Good. And then, what do you mean, good? I hope you feel really bad. I don't know what's going on with you lately. But I hope you wake up every spiteful. day and you just say to yourself, "I'm a is terrible it, person." Is, could you, I can imagine if someone like I just think being spiteful is how I've gotten through life, and I think it's necessary. Do you think you're spiteful? I don't know if it's spiteful. You're not spiteful. Or just. I don't, I'm trying to think, do I know anyone that's like really spiteful? Is spiteful like when you're like, you go after people? I think spite is more like, I don't want you to have that good thing in your life. Oh no. That's like spite. Spite is like something good happens to a person and you're like, well, fuck that. That's spite. Oh. Like that. oh. that just sounds like an Irish begrudging sound, thing. Yeah, begrudges. Like? Bunch of begrudging bastards. Bastards. Speaking of Irish, we went to a bar last night and it was an Irish trad bar and we had a great time. We went to a trad bar last and night. And as Sarah said, if this had been any other time period when COVID was not happening, we would have walked in and, walked and turned and walked back out. But we were like, up the IRA Oh my God. Like we when I tell you, we had a, I had a ball in it that bar. Such a crack. Like I'd go back, but I think if I went back, I wouldn't enjoy it as I much. think it's just because you were out of the house, A, and B, we were like, Going out and it was music, it was music, live music. There's live music and there's people just dancing. Okay, I can't remember the last time. I heard Even though live like music. the health uh, minister says we're not allowed to dance. dance, but they were, we're giving not allowed to People were giving it socks. Uh, there was a girl. I don't know if you saw her. Where I was sitting at the end of the table. Mm-hmm. There was a girl standing behind Derek, and she was like full on Irish dancing. No, but I don't think she knew how to Irish dance. I think she was so drunk. And she wasn't Irish. And she was just like, I'm just going to do this. Oh. <laughs> I was watching her the whole time. And I was like, I did see that. There was a woman on the other side and they were like tourists. Yeah. And she was in the corner of the boot and then the more the music went on, the further she got away from the corner of the boot. And then by like the fifth song in, I just turned and she was just standing up. Like, and she's just standing up outside of the boot just looking just in awe. Like, this is amazing. Um, as I said to Emmett, it was like every tourists that comes to Ireland it was literally their wet dream they were like this is what life is like every day in Ireland there were so many people just up filming the whole thing yeah, and I think like because when we got in every like the music was playing but I don't feel like it was like it wasn't trad it was just well it was trad it was, but it was kind but of but I don't really think slow, anybody like... was like really like and then uh, me and Craig just started to scream yeah I was, my goal was to make them feel like rock stars <laughs> I was like yes yes <laughs> It was such good crack though. Um, and then it was just, and then they fucking got into the hard stuff. Got into the I was out like, to Boston. I was fully, like, you know, you ever listen to trap music or like, not even trap music, but like Irish music, and you're like, I understand why they were fighting. Why they were fighting? I get yeah. it? Yeah, you were dead right. Yeah, like you just you like get if it, I had yeah. heard a Michael Collins speech and that trap music in the background, I would have been like, like, give me a gun. <laughs> Give me one now. Balaclava and a gun right before like, now. Like, they didn't have balaclavas back then, MC. Someone's getting shot. Yeah. A suit. Michael a Collins would have got up in the middle of like the Rebel County and I would have been like, <laughs> give me a gun, lads. <laughs> I'm coming with you. But it is, it's that like, it's that music. Yeah, it's that fucking driving music. Yeah, yeah, And the fiddle's gone. Yeah. But it's the same thing with like African music, that kind of like tribal thing. That's where it comes from, obviously. But yeah, I was like, I'd shoot a man in the head right now. I was like, give me a bear on or a gun. One or the other. 
Like, well, yes, yeah, so it's Colin's birthday, and we went for food in Nolita, and it was lovely. And the chap that was serving us had lost the will to live. He really did. Oh, at one point it was so funny. He came over with our drinks, and me and Jamie were sitting there, and the straw was on the train. He couldn't get it off, and he just went, huh, and he just it Jamie's it head. And we were like, this he did not want to be there, which I don't blame him. I'd say it's really fucking hard. Like that job's hard. That place was busy. It was mental. It like, wasn't busy when we got in. No, it just started to get. I'm glad we went early. We had a and it was a great night. And it was a great night. It was a great night. And I'll tell you something. <laughs> um, she had a fish bowl of gin. <laughs> <laughs> she came off that swing very fast. <laughs> I test it was slippy. <laughs> oh my god! Um, if you don't ages. know what that is, that's Tony Cantwell's. Uh, what's what's your one? The one that oh, fell off the swing and fucking Sophie's summer flirtation, making a show of herself. Maria, Maria Bailey. Maria Bailey. Maria Bailey for Maria Bailey. Maria Bailey for Taoiseach. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I absolutely love to be now. It was so much fun. That's going oh, no, out. It was great. But you know what's great? Day drinking in your home eight o'clock. Yes. Because I'm an old. Also, bitch. and I like day, but like town is just like everybody's out. Hectic. Everybody's out. It's fucking nuts. It's like. mad stuff. And I get it because everybody's fed up and stuck in their gaff or whatever. But like five thousand cases. Oh jeez. Do you think we go back into lockdown? I don't know. I don't think they are. They haven't, I, like, it hasn't been a single mention of it. No, there's been nothing said. Nessa uh, are uh, requesting that everybody works from home again. Do you hear that, my job? Even though they won't let me. Yeah, I can't. Like, my job, I physically can't yeah. work from home. I, from I home. can work from home, that's not true. But no other people that I work with can't work from home. I'm not going to lie, there are some things about lockdown that I will miss. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I'm going to miss the calmness. Because it was so calm and there was so few people and it's kind of, I think especially for people that don't like crowds and stuff like that, it was just something nice about like when I get up in the morning and walk around, it's just quiet. Whereas now it's like cars, people on those fucking scooters, uh, people on bikes. Have people like, nearly killed When I tell you, someone's getting booted off one of them. They're <laughs> fucking insane. What are they doing? Like They're supposed to be on the road, not on the path. What the fuck are they doing? I'm like, and they're like, it's, it's like there's these grown ass men who've been given a toy and they're just like, Bleh! You're getting booted off one. Okay, so housekeeping, Sarah, because this cunt next in the next room gave out to me and said we didn't say housekeeping last week, which I think if you find it, you go back and re-listen. We did. We so, absolutely did. Sarah, do you have any housekeeping? Housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, we actually got a lovely, a lovely comment that I wanted to read out. My primary school headmaster used to give out to me about the way I said lovely and kind and he used to make me feel what? really bad about it. She said I said them incorrectly. What, what, what did you say to him? He used to like say lovely and I'd be like lovely and he'd be like say kind and I'd say kind and he's like you're saying it wrong. Anyway, S- he wore lo- a really lovely. bad lovely and kind. He said I said kind incorrectly. He wore a wig, a really bad wig. A wig? He used to have this teacup that he didn't wash and he would drink tea from it every day and there was so much scum and mould on the cup and he would just pour tea into it and then every day he would have stale burger buns with a gone off banana on it for lunch and when he talked he would spit. So he's nearly dead. So I have a podcast and he's living in a cold old hole of a house. So <laughs> fuck yourself. Anyway, so we got a lovely comment from, I'm just, I think this, this is the person's username, RM Hansen86. Yes. She said, I found your podcast about a week ago and I haven't listened to anything else since. I started with episode one and I'm about halfway through. You ladies have me have made me laugh so hard in the last week my stomach is actually sore one of my favourite things about you the podcast is the random shit you guys talk about in the beginning which is you're alone a lot of people are like stop talking one person Emma one 
that's enough for me to play it over my head over and <laughs> over again and hate myself said that to us <laughs> I love how much you guys crack yourselves up and by the way I think Sarah Jane has the most favourite laugh I've ever heard <laughs> I hope you keep putting out content you three are definitely a bright spot of my day Colin's songs regularly make me laugh out loud by the way I'm from Cali- I'm from California and I've totally started to think in an Irish accent I do agree that Irish people Irish people cursing is the best as I believe it was Emma who said you put an in on the end of everything to make it an even better curse word i.e. shit and cuntin etc one of my favourite expressions that we definitely do not have an equivalent here is, is like couldn't be arse which is a great couldn't be arse Lily is so lucky to have two funny strong supportive amazing women in her life as she grow, grows up don't worry uh, sorry don't worry Sarah it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job please stop never please never stop doing what you're doing never stop being you and I will be listening from America laughing my ass off and getting strange looks in the grocery store Aww. I just thought that that was a lovely comment That's such, what's her name uh, it's RM Hansen 86 on Instagram I don't know or she, their name I don't know if it's male uh, or female yeah there um, it, it's Randa Panda that's what the name is Randa Panda Randa Panda Randy Panda um, so yeah thank you so much for your comment I just thought it was lovely and I had it saved there to read it out when um, oh that's so nice when we were doing the episode so thank you very very much and the fact that you're from California and listening to this is fucking crazy man that is insane uh, if we come to California we're staying in your house oh I'd really like to go house. to California I would love to go to California what part of California I don't know I don't know if I'd want to go to LA I think I'd like to go to LA just to be like I've been in LA yeah, I just but I don't act, have any I desire so. to go to like um any of the touristy traps no I'd like to go to like I there's this show on Vice <laughs> Yeah, I shouldn't watch Vice, but anyway, it's a show on Vice where this guy goes around checking, like, going to, like, burger places in LA, and he always goes to these, like, really cool, kind of, out-of-the-way places, and that sort of stuff I'd love to do. I don't know if I would enjoy the actual... Hollywood Hollywood because it's so weird because you, you know when they're like Hollywood glitz and glamour and then you walk around the road and they're like here's 27 homeless people who are all dying and that's the thing they have a big no homeless population them, because homeless of population. the weather it's so sad like it's fucking horrific um, but we yes we have you. a big homeless population we do you know who else has a massive homeless population Edinburgh holy fuck really oh man I so, felt so bad and the worst thing about it is I'm not carrying cash because it's fucking COVID. So I never have any money on me anymore, ever. But when I was over there, I did take out money and got change and just was like... Lily, um, today, I was going to say, we parked in a Drury Street car park. Yeah. And yesterday I took money out for something. Oh, because I was getting my nails done. Yeah. I took money out for something. So I had got money. But we came out Drury Street car park. There was a homeless person and he was just sitting right there and he was, he was like uh, looking for money. And... We walked across the road and anyway, when, when he said to me, you know, change. Yeah, change yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, I'm really sorry. I said, I'm coming back to the car park button. I'll, I'll, I'll get money. And we walked past and Lily looked across the road and I was like, you're all right. And she's kind of looking back and she's like, I just feel really bad for him. It's horrific. And I was like, okay. And she's like, can we go get money out? And I was like, yeah, okay. And she was, she was like, can we get loads of money out? To get to him? <laughs> I was like, can I have to pay for out? you. No, but um, it is. it's horrible and it's fucking heartbreaking. But it's just like... And especially this time of year when it starts to get cold. It starts to get cold. You know, you're walking across the Haveny Bridge and it's pissing rain and you're like, yeah. how is this... How is this happening? Like, um, I was thinking we actually maybe might do something for the for the Simon community for winter, maybe. Most like people a, that like sleep out in the streets mm. to raise money for the Simon community. No, we're not doing that. I'm not. Uh, but we that's could not do... So, <laughs> I'm, I was about to say, why? My suspect you did that. Becky and Daniel, of course she did. Yeah. But yeah, Becky's really bad. With, like I can't Becky like can't. I can't camp in a caravan. No, I feel like you didn't have a good time in that caravan. Like I couldn't stay in a fucking. 
in a tent on O'Connell Street. Um, but yeah, we will, I think we might do something just like, for winter because, man, this is a shitty time of the year for anybody to be... Every time of the year is, but especially... You know I didn't see very many homeless people in London. That's probably because they've all... They all pushed them in. Probably what they've done in Canada as well. My friend Lisa lives in Canada and she was telling me there's a very specific part of Toronto... I think it's Toronto, Vancouver, I'm not sure, where they have, like, no, there's no homeless people in the city because they have set up, like, camps for them. So when you go out of the city, there's camps of homeless people. And she said she lived right beside one in, in Toronto. And so they keep them out of the city. Same thing with New York. They push them all out of the city. Where do they go in New York? They push them outside the city. But like, we see loads of homeless people in New York. Not, not, but it's illegal remember the to... Last time, remember, the, like, the last time we went? If you compare to the previous time that we went... How many ho- and veterans homeless ju- veterans? No, I just think that's because we weren't in like. But remember when Helen told us she was like they pushed all the homeless people. Yeah, into but Queens. we didn't go to any tourist traps. We went to Manhattan the second time, but because I made it, you go to that shop. Uh, last time we went. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, actually, but, no, you're right. When we did go there, we didn't see any homeless people yeah, because Helen. Remember when Helen's and she was a fucking there. shop. They pushed us, pushed them basically. Like in Queens, there's loads because. Oh yeah, there was people under the subway when we went to Queens. Pushed them out of the city into That's Queens. That's true. The other boroughs, so yeah, it's really sad and awful and horrific. And Helen was, or Kate was telling me, she was like, "Emma, New York is so bad at the moment." Like the last time I was home, she was saying that, uh, like the trains, she can't even get on the trains. Like it's full of homeless just, people. Not even full, it's just full of like really dangerous people. Do you know what? The last time we were there, remember we saw the gutter punks. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever Those seen Marks, gutter punks. Saint Marks. We saw I know, them. but like Saint Marks is so gentrified. Yeah, there. yeah, just and I was massively gentrified. Two of us were like, "This is odd because you do belong here, but you don't belong." Yeah, here. Yeah, it's so strange there, but uh, yeah, I still want to go back. I love New York. I love New York with all my heart. Let's go back to New York. New York, New York. No, no, New York, New York. Um, yeah. But that I have no other housekeeping, Colin. I don't think of any housekeeping. I need to fart. Hold on. Oh my god! I did it. It's happened. I'm back. Oh god, I can't smell. Back in a New York. <laughs> back. Oh, do you know what? Megan Carey Dabs. The stallion. What? The stallion. Megan the stallion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I wish Megan the Stallion listened to this podcast. Imagine. It would be amazing. Body addy 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 addy. Um Megan Stallion, sponsor us. Kerry Dabs, which I think is Sad Captain. You know, sad oh Megan, captain. yeah. Um she is looking on the Facebook page. She said, I need a little help. I'm vibing with the idea of doing more silly little drawings for my favourite podcast, but I'm coming up empty for ideas. So do you guys have any favourite quotes, moments from the podcast? Inspire me. And then she drew a capybara. Oh, it's a capybara! To grab their attention. And loads of people, I actually Cute. couldn't stop laughing. So they were like, Bang, illustrate yeah, Colin's yeah, songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sarah, Jane, Sarah Jane learning how to swim in, in an iron jumper in Blessed Lake. <laughs> Sarah's cult. Yes. Sarah's Disney trip. Do Sarah's cult. No, wait, like, I'm just going to keep going through these. Uh, and then I just wrote on b- below them. These are all just my childhood traumas. <laughs> just draw Sarah's trauma. Ch- this is how we deal with it. Childhood trauma. Draw childhood trauma and that's how you deal with it. Personally, the Disney story is my favourite thing ever. But you know, when I was reading through these, I was like, lads, like, this is my life. <laughs> I just sound like I've made up a lot of this shit. <laughs> terrible things happen to Sarah like, we're gonna do it we're gonna do like a sometimes when I'm telling stories a series of comics <laughs> about like my life and work I just see people looking at me going oh yeah that's a totally normal thing for people to be like I always read things where people are like when you're telling someone a story of your childhood trauma and you're laughing and they're like that's so no I feel, I feel like they're looking at me like Sarah th- this couldn't have all happened to you <laughs> so adi, instead, adi, adi, they adi, say adi, adi, you adi, adi, have adi. either had a great childhood or you're funny yeah exactly 
This is true. Uh, but help Megan out on the Facebook page if you can. She's a little sweetheart. She is. And her picture, her, uh, her illustration is, is fucking so adorable and so good. Nice. Here, I know I don't like Lady Gaga and I don't care who knows it. Madame but I, Gaga. I do not like her. Um, did you see that Gucci dress she wore? Purple the purple one. one. Yeah, she looks amazing. <gasps> she looked phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, so what's her name? Um, Sama Hayek? No. Is that all? Oh, yeah, Sama Hayek. Hayek yeah. Is that what it is? Uh, she also looks amazing. She has the greatest boobs I've ever seen in my life. Sama Hayek has a pet owl. Does she fuck? Yeah. She rescues animals. She has a pet owl that flies around her house. Aww. She's married to like a billionaire. Yeah. Good for you, Sam. Um, if I had boobs like that, I'd be married to a billionaire. When too. she went through the menopause, her boobs got bigger again. And when she got pregnant, her boobs got bigger. And when she they're got her... Pre- they're just like... When she gets her period, her boobs get bigger. They're like this. And she said that she just can't take it anymore. Oh, Salma! Like, big boobs are not that... Big like, boobs are actually not fun at all. So... Oh, Jamie. Lovely Jamie. He gave us a recommendation for a podcast called Unraveled, which is fucking great. It's Billy Jensen and Alexis Linkletter. And it's basically them going through... How do I describe this? So, specialists in cri- in trials. So, people that are like blood spatters specialists and you know witness testament specialists and all this stuff and how 99% of it is bullshit and people are constantly getting uh, put in jail for things that they did not do because these people are actually not experts at no. all and the judicial the law system and criminal system in America is so damaged that they're just like this guy said that there was seven blood splatters so you're going to jail and then they'd be like crazy he's an, shit he's an expert witness in 17 other trials as if that's like somehow and like- you know what's really fucked up there's one that I was listening to today and this man uh came home and his wife was shot in the head on the ground in the garage and his two kids were dead in his fucking car and they brought in a blood splatter analysis he was like yeah he definitely did it and he went to jail for it and they did a second trial he went back to jail the second time and then this guy that was the blood splatter analysis turned out to just be a photographer and they completely lied about his credentials they said he was doing a PhD he wasn't he didn't go to college for anything he had been on one he had been a policeman for a couple of years and had been on one case that was it. And other than that, he just took pictures of crime scenes and they had him in as a blood splatter analyst. And you know what's even weirder? The guy that was sent to jail was an ex-cop. Which is like really strange because usually they get away with it. Yeah. But this guy was not a blood splatter analyst. That's not even a thing. And did the guy do it? He didn't do it. They got him out. Did they find out who did do it? They found out. Do you know what's even worse? Go on. Is that when they took the people came obviously to check the crime scene after the kids had been murdered. They took the little boy out of the car they put him into the body bag with a sweater that was wrapped around him that belonged to the man that murdered them. Sorry. And his name was written on a tag on the back of the sweater and his DNA was all over it and they just put the child with that into the bag, did no other testing on the kid's clothes, on anything. And we're like, the husband did it, open a showcase. What? Because one guy said, oh yeah, he'd seven pieces of blood on his uh, jumper. This guy had seven pieces of blood and they were like, yeah, because he was giving his kids CPR who had been shot in the head. Insane. Like, Anna, can you imagine how many people that is happening to that it has not been spoken about? Where they're just like, yeah, he, that person definitely did it because some person said blah, blah, blah. And they're not doing any sort of like... And the guy who murdered them had his name written on the fucking sweater that was over the kid. And they were like, that's who did it. It's insane. Insane. Anyway, it's kind of unraveled. Jamie gave us... We told, Jamie said we had to give him credit. Yeah, Jamie. Uh, so Jamie uh, told us yesterday, uh, Jamie is our friend and he's a lovely person. So, um, yes. He has a cute dog. He's the most cute dog in the world. Um, are you watching anything? No, I'm watching anything. Brittany Bronsky vis- Broski videos because she makes me happy. Oh, okay. That's all I've been watching. You reading anything? I'm reading three books. Okay. So my brain is like, I'm reading a David Sedaris book. I'm reading that book, Heavy, that I told you about. Heavy. And I'm also reading 
that book over there that I can't remember. The, oh, and Priest Daddy, four books. Yeah. I probably just burped through that entire sentence. I'm like, John Lady. Also, we went to the bar. What, any bread? Oh, we go. Oh. Oh. Um, We're going to go to Jamaica for a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you reading, watching, looking, touching? I am. Uh, I've started the Miriam Margiles book on Audible. I think Audible. I need to go and get... Uh, Tested for ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> so many people in my life it's getting could worse. potentially have ADHD. Can you get ADHD later in life? I don't know. I know nothing about ADHD except him. It's okay. walk, walking ADHD yeah. in that bedroom. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm listening to that... I am just watching The Office again. There are things in The Office, but now that, like, when you watch it again, we're just like, oh my God, like, Michael Scott is just a terrible person. Yeah, it's crazy. So, Flavio is watching Seinfeld for the first time ever. He's never seen it. What? Before. And I was asking. Newman. Why, yeah, he's the first time he's never watched it. And he watched all nine seasons, like, he yeah. watched it through. And I was like, what do you think? And he was like, God, the things that they say, you just couldn't say that now. It's really no. bad. And I was like, I know. And he was like, there's this one episode. And I'd forgotten about this episode where Jerry and George go to the head of NBC's office and they're talking to him about the TV show. And his 15 year old daughter comes in. Yeah. And George looks down her top like staring down at her cleavage and then the guy walks in and he's like you're getting a good look and Flavia was like she was 15 I was like yeah Jerry Seinfeld was fucking a 17 year old yeah Jerry Seinfeld was so I don't think he really like, gave a fuck was having sex with a fucking a child. child in high school yes he would pick her up after high school and go to the park with her yes like when he was 34 years old, old. like they were, she was half his, half age. his age and not only that like it's so fucked up it's the half his age thing she was in school. Yeah. This girl had like math at 2pm and then meeting Jerry Seinfeld at 5. Like yeah. it was crazy. But yeah, he even, he, he was just like, wow, they, like, how could they do that? And I'm like, it's mad the difference now. Because if yeah. you did that now, Cancelled. the show would be taken off the TV. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, but same, you know, you know that movie Old School? Yeah. It's a whole scene where like he has oh sex God, with yeah. that girl and then he's in his boss's office and she comes in. Yeah. And she he thinks that she's in college and the the boss is like, can you believe she's in high school? Stuff like that. Like, man. But it's it's mad what men find funny. Like you know, men who write these movies and they're like, ha ha, it's sexy. He he, like, he we we met that that idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> that fool of a human being. And he was like, hey, your friend, and I was like, Sh- shut oh, the fuck God. up, bud. Take off that fucking fur coat, you yeah. inside you prick. You need to leave. Get out of here. And then the man was like, uh, excuse me, you need to leave. He has, a, <laughs> he has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. We're going to like, see to him. Fucking suck a bag of dicks. Um, but that's everything. All the time, forever. The All the time, forever. That is every single the time, forever. We have nothing else to, to tell you. Anymore. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximum bell bag and some surprises along the way but that's not all every single week due to popular demand we will be bringing you a full length story whether it be miscellaneous most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show murder most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favourite albums but wait there's even more 
Or how about MMI Drive, the fan favorite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite, plus our monthly Ask Me Arse segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros. So, um, this week's story, my references are Mens Rea. Me. Uh, the Independent. I'm sexy and great. The Sunday Tribune. Tribune. And uh, one Miss Veronica Guerin. Oh, what a woman. What a woman. What a woman. So, Veronica. this week I'm going to tell the story of Philomena Galan. Or Ghislaine. Or well, Gillen. I think it's Galan. Here, um, do you think we'll do Veronica Guerin? I tried. It's very long. It's very long. I started it and I was like, ah, here now, this is 12 pages. The start is 12 pages. Uh, and you'd want to do her justice because she's incredible and did a lot of good work. Do you know what I mean? A lot of good work. She's fucking fearless. Didn't give two fucks. Fearless. I'm, like, she does something in this story. Anyway, Veronica, R.I.P. So, they met in O'Donoghue's pub in a seaside village of Fan, Fan, Fanor, County Clare. It was September 1990 and they were both at the nearby Liston Varnum matchmaking festival. Oh, oh Liston Varnum. I wish they played that last night. <laughs> he had seen her once before in a bar. Pat Galan and Philomena Gordon danced together in Fanor. He was 28 and she was 10 years older and involved with another man. He gave her his sister's phone number written on the back of a matchbox because he did not have a phone <laughs> and she rang him a few times the following week. They met about a month later in at a country and western night in Kiltormer, County Galway. Now here's one thing I will say about these people. What? They had no sense of anything because they've been to Liston Verna's matchmaking festival and now they're hanging out at country and western nights. Listen. What year is this? The early 90s in Ireland? Early yeah. 90s. Do you remember everybody's doing line dancing? Everybody's doing line dancing and going to fucking country. Colin festivals. Farrell was a line dancing instructor. Fuck off. Yes, that's how Colin Farrell got famous. I never knew He was that. a line dancing instructor and it was a line dancer and he used to line dance with no top on and a waistcoat and he was in the sun. Of course he did. Pakalan was the youngest of seven children with five sisters and a brother. He attended Gort National School. They described him as an average student who was inclined to be nervous. He worked in his family's 80-acre farm. Fuck. He spent two years as a lorry driver and worked part-time as a coal merchant. His father died in 1980 when Galan was still a teenager and his mother died in 1990, five months before he met Philomena in at Lister Varner and after his mother's death the farm was divided equally between Pat and his brother Kevin so no one else in the family got any of it just the two of them just the two of them is it because they were lads must be I'm telling you uh, Galan probably looked like a good catch that night in Fanor one of two brothers who had just inherited the family farm near Gort he was a fancy dresser I said this probably means that he didn't own a, that he owned a long sleeve shirt and didn't smell like cowshite do you know what I meant he wore a check shirt tucked into a pair of Really bad fitting jeans with a black belt. And a pair of boots. That's what they all wore and a pair of boots. A pair of boots. Three years later, Philomena, who was about five months pregnant with their second child, married Pat at Knock in County Mayo. Oh. She wore white. He wore a morning suit and a purple, purple velvet bow tie. Oh. Sometime, uh, sometime on the wedding day, guests saw Galan having a heated row with his sister-in-law, Bridie. And but Philomena was deeply private. There were only six guests at their wedding. Wow. 
There were very few people in the village that knew Philomena was even married. And most of the community actually thought that Bridie and Pat were together. Which the brother is, and sister? No, Bridie is Philomena's sister. Oh. And Pat is now Philomena's husband. husband. The Galan couple lived in the home in Caltra with Noni, which is Philomena's mother, Bridie, which is her sister, and her brother Paddy. Well, this is just a recipe for disaster. The house was a large farmhouse and it was isolated from the neighbours. It had no running water at the time and no telephone. Pat and Philomena were anticipating a move and the couple were building a large two-storey house at the side of the 88-acre farm in Gort, County Galway. The house was nearly complete around the time of what I'm about to say happens and uh, she had just planned to pick out all of the curtains and the carpets the following oh, week. no. Pat had reseeded the land in preparation for livestock and he was working in a factory in Galway as a long haul trucker as well. So he had two jobs. He had two jobs. Galway um, farmers in Longford. Philomena had a job in a Dublin in a hospital in Lachlanstown in the catering department and oh. she'd worked there for nearly 20 years. Um, she used to work one week on and one week off and while in Dublin she stayed in the staff living facilities she was a hard worker and she was a really good with money she had paid 65,000 euro in cash for the home and court wow pound actually at the time and wow yeah so she paid 65,000 pound by herself in cash. That's like fucking so much money in today's money. Uh, and she had a significant sum still in the bank saved away for a rainy day. On May 10th, 1994, Pat and Philomena had gone to the pub. They chatted about the house and the plans, but they were home for midnight. Now, at this point, by the way, and it's not mentioned, it's very rarely mentioned, they have a nine-month-old child. I was just going to say. That so they... she's five months pregnant. And they have a nine-month-old baby. And they have a nine-month-old baby. And they're living in a house where the fucking Brady but well, she's seven months pregnant at this point actually they chatted baby. about the house and the plans but they were home for midnight Philomena was leaving early following the next day for Dublin and she at, was due to get up at about 6am at 6.40am on Wednesday the 11th of May Philomena got into her red Opel Cadet and headed for Dublin Philomena and Pat had arranged that they would call each other over the weekend which like when you think about it there's no mobile phones no. or anything at this point no so it's an effort to actually be able to yeah. uh, to call someone. And they're scheduling when they're going to call each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She never arrived on work that day. And by Friday the 13th, her colleagues were starting to get concerned for Philomena. There was no phone number on the file for Philomena. So they just sent a letter to her home address on a Friday. Oh, God. And uh, they also had given her, because she was pregnant, they'd given her two days grace. Right. Before they told, before they worried about the fact that she hadn't, she hadn't turned up. Um, God. so they'd given her some slack because they thought maybe the pregnancy has made her quite unwell but on Sunday Pat rang the hospital as per their agreement and they had then made Pat aware that she had never shown up for work but at this point it's five days earlier oh god I said five days five days yeah yeah he rang the local Garda station immediately at around 7pm. Given the length of time that had passed, the Garda acted immediately and the investigation was opened immediately. Next day, The next day, reports that a woman in her late 30s, who was seven months pregnant, was missing from Galway. When the reports started to pop up in the local town, 
locals didn't know it was Philomena because a lot of people didn't even know she was pregnant. She's pregnant. She was so private. Yeah. She's really private. Or mar- and they didn't know she was married. married to Pat. Yeah. Tuesday, the seventeenth of May, a neighbor reported hearing shots at six forty-five a.m. on the eleventh, as he was collecting sheep close to Philomena's house, and the family also reported hearing shots that morning. Philomena's family did. Yeah. On the morning of the 18th of May, a week to the day after she'd gone missing, Philomena's car was located at that lone train station, which is around 20 minutes from their home. A cleaner noticed the car that morning and staff rang the guard station immediately as the car matched the description of the missing woman's. Within minutes of giving the registration, the guard were on the scene, so it was like definitely her car. Yeah. The keys were still in the ignition, the car was unlocked and it looked as if the car had been like ransacked as belongings were strewn about the place and kind of all over inside the car. Yeah. The guard took the key out of the ignition and walked to the back of the car to the boot as there was a string of a coat hanging out of the locked boot. It was opened and quickly closed and the area was immediately sealed. Philomena lay dead in the boot of the car and it was unknown how long the car had been there for. Fucking horrific. This poor woman. Dr. Margaret Bolster was called to the scene and she observed the clothed body of Philomena in the boot of the car. She carried out a post-mortem examination that evening and during the post-mortem examination, this is graphic, just trigger warning, Philomena had a large bruise on her forehead. She had abrasions and cuts to her right knee and hands. There was a gunshot wound to the back of Philomena's head caused by a shotgun cartridge she had six stab wounds to her back two had hit her lungs and one was four inches deep she'd also been shot in the back and she'd bled into her lungs Philomena died within the early part of the seven days she was missing likely within 30 minutes of leaving her house the guard believed that she'd been fleeing her killer when she died because of the distance of the shot in her head. It was thought to have been shot from about 10 to 12 foot away and it was ineffective. So it, like because shotgun pellets spread, yeah. it was ineffective. It didn't kill her and she was thought to have been running away and they reckon that the they stabbed her then. it was ineffective and whoever was chasing her then stabbed her in the back Dude. to finish off the job. That is so unbelievably violent. Really violent. They also said that they didn't think it could have just been one person. They think that two people, people had to be involved. Because one, she was so heavily pregnant. But they reckon when she, that she was put in the boot like nearly straight away. And they reckon that she was still alive. Oh, it's a nightmare. No, they said that she wouldn't have stayed along. She wouldn't have stayed alive for very long because her lungs started to fill up with blood but she died from essentially asphyxiation. This woman suffered. She suffered and she. they said that it would have taken between 15 and 20 minutes for her to die. But she knew like she was... She knew she was dying. Yeah. That's like one of my biggest fears is yeah. to know I'm dying. And she was in that bush dying. With her baby in her belly. With like, her baby in her belly. Motherfuckers. A fingertip search of Philomena's home and the surrounding area was made that day. The Garda also searched her room in the hospital. And the people in the hospital were like really upset. Like Devastated, she was a big I'd part say. of their lives. Yeah. Like she worked there for 20 years. Like that's a massive part of anybody's life. Um... Garden were testing soil and fingerprint founds on her fingerprints found on her body and all members of the family were interviewed, but there was no leads. Philomena was taken to her local church on Friday the twentieth of May and members of the community made their condolences to the family. The next day was the funeral and the local parish priest told the mourners that the beautiful West of Ireland had been disfigured by the murder and death of Philomena. It's the same priest that married them five months ago. Fuck me, man. That's horrific. She was then brought to Gort to be buried. 
and the Bishop of Ireland attended. After the funeral, Pat Galan immediately moved into his brother's farmhouse and he took their nine-month-old son away from her family and put him in the care of her of his sister, saying that he couldn't bear to mind him and that he was suffering from depression. There are no other... I couldn't find very much about the son, but I'm nearly sure he got put up for adoption. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't think he stayed with the family. Oh, fuck, man. Um, the Garda had no strong needs and sight- there was no sightings of Philomena on the morning of her murder. There had been no strong response from the public and no leads. Two men were seen at the gate of the property on the morning of the murder and the guards sent out like a request for them to come forward for them to be ruled out. Yeah. But no one came forward. There was also witnesses that saw the red cadet car speeding in the direction of the train station with another car behind it with one man driving that car and the other man driving the other car and those two people matched the ID of the people that were at the front gate of the okay, home okay. and there was also a sighting of those two men driving their blue car towards the home at speed Jesus but so there was sightings like there was there were the only sightings there was no was sightings seen. of okay. Philomena whatsoever she wasn't seen but no, these men were seen okay no. Now, the next thing I'm going to say are all, for some reason, when all of these, just not for some reason, legally we can't say who was arrested. Okay. Um, because we can't. Okay, that's fine. A man was arrested in Gort and taken to Ballin the Slow Garda Station. On the same date, a woman in her 30s was arrested in relation to the case in Keltra. They were both held for 48 hours. Both were released without a charge. A knife and a shotgun shell were found around the family farm. He was not named at the time and he had to leave the station covered in a blanket. And it was revealed that Philomena was wearing her nightgown under her clothes when she was found in the boot of the car. And the coat was just thrown on top of her. Oh my god. The scene of the attack was never established and the guard continued to search and investigate. The waterways between Keltra and Atlone town were being searched and the Garda confirmed to the Sunday Tribune on the 29th of May in 1994 that they were being hampered by the laws surrounding the lines of inquiry as they could not interview the two individuals again and they believed that they knew what happened to Philomena and that they were withholding information. Well, why couldn't they interview them again? Was it some sort of... Because there's no new information. Oh, so they were basically... Like, the, the guards are desperate in this case. So they're, like, they're the guards are going to the press being, to say to get, yeah to get them to try and kick kick off like the, so that someone will nearly come forward yeah, and say yeah, oh yeah, I know so I then know. they could then they could interview these people again they'd have some sort of information to go on yeah and two months after the murder a man was detained in Gort Garda Station on the 26th of July this man was then released after being held for 40 hours so now he's been arrested twice, twice. Um, and been held for 40 hours but again they, they run, have nothing they have nothing so they, they release yeah. him Around this time, there had begun to be rumours and news articles written saying that there had been previous attempts on Philomena's life. The Garda gave a statement saying that this was not something they were aware of. The Garda thought at that this point that the shotgun that was used to kill Philomena was potentially loaned out and asked public if this was the case to come forward and there'd be a sympathetic ear to the person that potentially loaned out this gun. Okay. Could you imagine being that person? Yeah. 
On the 18th of September 1994, Pat himself gave an interview to The Star saying that he missed his wife. But Pat would not speak to Veronica Kieran when she just showed up at his door and he refused to speak to her. Pat's brother then said he was shy of women to Veronica and Veronica wrote her article regardless. She wrote that Pat had not been told by the RTE Crime Line broadcast that the case was ju- due to be shown that week on Crime Line, let alone was he asked to be involved. She also revealed that the guard had spoken to a woman two months before that had confessed that she'd been dating a man that told her that he had killed Philomena. A guard source told Veronica about the nature of the woman's relationship with the man in question, that it created a problem in terms of using her statement in court, and they did not believe they could make a case on the quality of the witness was crucial, and that they did feel that she was telling the truth, but that she was not a reliable witness. Okay. The following week, Veronica Guerin released another article. Oh, Veronica. This time it was an interview with a lady called Linda Wood, the woman that had given the statement to the Garda. Linda had an 18 month long relationship with a man and she was having an affair with this man. She met this fella hitchhiking. Mother of God. She met this man hitchhiking and then had a full blown 18 month long affair with him. Couldn't get a date. <laughs> she if was married. The Lord came down himself and tried to find me one <laughs> for four and a half years. Like, like Jesus Christ. So Linda had an eighteen-month-long relationship with this man. She was having an affair with him. She said she met him for a drunk a drink in in a pub that was between Keltra and Galway, and the topic of Philomena's murder came up. She said he seemed to be acting really odd and uncomfortable, and she said he then blurted out that he killed her. He then quickly tried to change the subject, <laughs> but Linda pressed him. Yeah, as I would do. <laughs> and would not let it go. He reluctantly told her that a number of people were involved. She was shaken. He then told her to have a drink and forget about it. He then laughed it off and changed the subject. Hold on, a quick question. She didn't stay with that man for 18 months. Oh, like... She says, in that moment, she thought maybe he was messing, but she could not let it go. And the more she thought about it, the less it felt like he was lying. Linda said she did not go to the Garda because she thought the Garda would not believe her. When Linda first went to the Garda, she changed her mind just as she was about to make the statement. So she was in the fucking room. Bitch. So then she named someone else in a completely different statement relating to a completely different case. So completely like at that moment, like, like fucking bogged it. Everyone's insane. So when she finally got the courage to go back and give a statement, the Garda were like, get the fuck out of here, Linda. Yeah, because you already told us. Like you already told us this shit. And the Garda wanted her to then wear a wire to get a statement off this person. Almost like insight, like essentially, uh, he, him almost giving the confession himself yeah so um, she because she was not a reliable witness this is why they asked her to do it yeah she then lied further to try to get out of wearing the wire situation <laughs> Linda. and she then made a decision to speak to a reporter because she understood why the guarder were saying she was not reliable but she could see but, but she could see why she was deemed as unreliable however she wanted to do the right thing and she wanted to clear her own name Okay, so she went and spoke to Veronica. That's all that matters, really. Yeah. 
On the 27th of November, the Sunday World reported that the Garda were increasing the surveillance of a number of individuals linked to the case. Apparently, in an all-out effort to bring these responsible to justice, there were three separate possible suspects that they were focusing on. There was a real sense of frustration from the Garda and they were anonymously giving statements to like Jesus they were desperate newspapers saying that there was a wall of silence around this case from certain individuals this is directly related to the family really yeah like they couldn't get and none of the family would give a statement none of the family would talk and the increased surveillance was like a psychological move from the Garda to try and get them to speak so they were surveilling Pat they were surveilling Bridie and they were surveilling his brother Okay. And they were like intensely surveilling them and they were also making it known that they were surveilling them. Basically just trying to get them to break. Yeah. Yeah. Noni Noni Gordon, who was um, Philomena's mother, spoke publicly with the Connacht Tribune for the first time. She told the reporter, we all know what happened. We all know things. There had been attempts on her life before that. It will all come out in court. It has to. But at this point, no one's arrested. No one is arrested. So how's it getting to court? On the 27th of March, it was reported that a shotgun had been found. There was no confirmation and nothing appears to come of it. But in April of 1995, Noni Gordon gave an interview to Veronica Guerin and she said her family had nothing to do with it and that Pat, shortly after the death of Philomena, um, left the family home and had nothing to do with the family. One of the main reasons that she was no longer speaking to Pat was that she had he had taken her son, their son, from Keltra and he would not let them see the boy until she went and got a solicitor and got legal rights Tried to the child. To get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noni gave an interview to the Sunday World on the one year anniversary of her daughter's murder. So at this point the Garda then on the one year anniversary, like essentially did like an appeal again. Yep. And then tried to drum up like more information and her statement in response to it was saying, why now? Why go to all this trouble? When she knew who had killed her daughter, I know in my heart and soul who the killer is. Everybody knows. June 14, 1995. This is like now like a year after, like this a year, April, May, June, a year and like three three months. months. June 14, 1995, Garda were called to an incident in Gorse after a row, a row broke out between four men in Pat Galane's home. Two of the men were Philomena's brothers. Mm-hmm. They were treated in hospital for injuries they sustained there. So, Bridie, Noni, Paddy is her brother, yeah. and then I don't know the other brother's name, were all at the grave. Okay. And then they all decided to go to Pat Galane's house. Oof. When they got to Pacalane's house, he was there with like a younger boy who was like helping in the land and his brother and himself. Okay. And an altercation took place and his brother like had a slash hook and like cut the guts out of like Paddy Gorman. A slash hook? Yeah, like cut him up. He had to go into the, the two brothers. Dude, that's that, attempted murder. Yeah, two brothers were in hospital and one of them was in hospital for like quite some time and had like very severe injuries. Holy shit. They were treated in hospital for their injuries sustained there. Finally, on Sunday, the 2nd of July, 1995, two men appeared on a special sitting of the district court in, in Galway. Kevin Galan was ch- charged with grievous bodily harm and Pat Galan was charged with the soliciting of two men to kill Philomena. Oh, 
The charge stated he was accused of soliciting Christopher Bulger and Michael Dial to murder his wife on January 31st, 1994, while he was in Dublin. He was also charged with soliciting Mr. Patrick Burke to murder a person unknown while in court sometime in March in 1994. Fucking hell. So on the 24th of September, 1995, Pat Callan's trial began. It opened in Galway Circle Criminal Court and as the jurors piled in, Bridie Gordon called out. Noni Gordon had collapsed and a guard jumped into action to perform life-saving measures. Oh, no. An ambulance came and Noni was rushed to a nearby hospital. The court continued on and the jury were asked to choose a four-person. But while they were choosing the four-person, the court was advised that Noni Gordon had passed away. Oh, Jesus Christ. That she had died from a heart attack and she was slated as the first witness to be called. The case was immediately put off and the jury were discharged. Oh, Sarah, that's awful. It's really that sad. poor, poor it's woman. like 76 years old. Oh. Tuesday the 1st of October. It's her fourth heart, it's her fourth heart attack. She'd had three previous Four. heart attacks. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Tuesday the 1st, the 1st of October, the case was back in front of the court. There was an application to move the court to a different area a change of venue was approved and the case was then moved to Dublin December 1997 the court began Pat pleaded not guilty to the solicitation charges the first time in the history of the state that a charge of solicitation of murder had been heard it came out in court that Pat and Bridie were having a long standing affair I fucking knew they were having yeah. an affair the trial heard evidence from Galan's sister-in-law Miss Bridie Gordon about the sexual relationship she had had with him both before and after the marriage to her sister. Miss Gordon said her sister had confronted her around December 1993 about the affair. She claimed Galan was always pestering her and that she entered the affair in October of 1993. Miss Gordon said she, her sister had confronted her around December 1993 about the affair. She had claimed Galan was always pestering her and that when she started a new relationship, um... He still, they had, they then ended their relationship, but he was still He's like still at, her. at her. Galan and evidence confirmed the affair and claimed Miss Gordon was always shoving herself at him. Uh-huh, sure. And he said he ended around December 1993. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. After he revealed to his wife because his conscience was annoying him. Oh, was it? He also claimed that his late mother-in-law, Miss Noni Gordon, was aware of the affair between him and Bridie. And according to Garda, the marriage did not appear to suit Pat Galan. At times he took to his bed, he stayed there for three days, he suffered from bouts of depression and he refused to work and he drank heavily. Christmas 1993 was not a happy one in the household. He arrived home drunk and aggressive. Galan told his wife about his affair with, his, with her sister and the two women apparently fought. Around the same time, Philomena walked into a pub in Mount Bello, County Galway, where Bridie worked and hit her husband when he refused to go home. She threatened to take him for every penny he had, and the day before Christmas Eve, Pat Galan admitted himself into St. Bridget's Psychiatric Hospital in Ballinasloe for treatment. He had tried to strangle his wife. He then discharged <sighs> himself against medical advice. He then tried to strangle her again at their new house they were building on family's land in February 1994 and admitted himself to St. Bridget's again. I love the way in order for him to get away what it, what he was doing. He was like, I'm just going to go to the psychiatric hospital. Yeah. 
No, you're just a fucking piece of shit, sir. Yeah. Like... You're an abusive piece of shit. You're not like, and I, when well. I was reading this and people were saying like she really loved when she went to Dublin. It's like, yeah, she didn't have to put up with this she shit. She got away from him. This nonsense. Literally, that's why. Like, fucking hell. So, Christopher Bulger took to the stand. He alleged that the defendant had asked him to kill Philomena. He told the court that on the last weekend of January 1994, he was with his brother John and two others, Christy Murray and Michael Doyle. They were walking from Kilmainham to Thomas Street when a car had stopped on the road and got their attention. The driver of the car was Pat Galan. He said hello and then drove on down the road. He then stopped the car again near James's Street and Thomas Street. He said he was looking for them to do a, do a job, but did not say what it was. He then bought them cigarettes and drinks in a pub on Thomas Street and then he drove all of them to a flat on Basin Lane which was one of their flats and he was like come on we go somewhere else and they were like let's go here and he was like grand I'll get you a drink and we'll go there according to the witness Pat had asked Bulger and Doyle to kill a woman who worked in a hospital so he got to them to this flat and then apparently was like may you kill this woman now these are winos oh okay that's why he picked them clearly there was a large sum of money if they agreed but Pat had not said when or where this was to happen Mr Bulger continued saying he pulled Mick Doyle aside to question what type of a son of a bitch this is they then called him a homosexual for some reason I've no idea why what so they then were like is this fella homosexual and then he told them uh, he said no I'm not a homosexual we asked him did he want a woman Galan said he was not a homosexual and he did not want a woman. He then asked again if they would kill this woman for him. The men then said no and parted ways. After this, Bulger then immediately, so immediately after this, Bulger spent time in prison in Cork for six months. When he got out, he met up with Mick Doyle and Mick Doyle said he'd seen a man that asked him to kill a woman on TV. Christopher then found a copy of The Independent from May 1994 and said he recognised the man on the front page as the man who had asked them to kill a woman. Fuck. Bulger then went to the Garda. Bulger was then questioned by the defence. So on stand, he was questioned by the defence. And he said he agreed to his statement had been read. So there was a whole thing with the defence where the guards were like, before you came and gave the statement, did they read your statement to tell you what to say? Yeah. So he said, I agreed... His statement had been read to him by the Garda before he took the strand. But he said he struggled to remember things and he said he couldn't read or write. He said he was also colorblind. He also said that he'd been drinking the day before and he said he struggled to remember things when he had been drinking. Um... Now, the next thing I'm going to say is absolutely baffling and no idea why he said it, but he did. He said, when asked what the Garda had said to him, he told the court that 20 years earlier, earlier he'd had a microchip implanted into his brain while he had an operation on his head by a surgeon in the Matter Hospital. And that was the end of his statement. This is like, they were like, this witness is not reliable. <laughs> so on the fourth day of court, Garda Jared Dillon took the stand. He interviewed Pakalan in April, June and July of 1995. Now, this guy won 300,000 euro in a... The de- guard? Yeah, a defence case against Pakalan because he felt that Pakalan, like Pakalan had threatened his life. Fuck! And he won 300,000 euro, 300,000 pound in a civil case. Holy shit. So, 
Galan told him Philomena fucked him about and she had threatened to take everything he owned. He also spoke fondly about Bridie and the relationship they had. I hate He said that Bridie pestered him. He said he did not like it when Philomena was there. And he said Bridie didn't like it when Philomena was there. And he felt she felt that Philomena was too bossy. Galan denied meeting anyone for that purpose. He also refused to stand for it. So he denied to meet anyone. To like plan to kill yes. Philomena. Yeah. He also refused to stand for an identity parade. Telling the guard that those were winos that would do anything for a drink. And he was not going to stand in the parade for those cunts. Oh, Jesus Christ. He refused to sign the notes for any of the interviews, but he agreed on tape that the notes were correct. Michael Doyle, who's the gentleman up above... No, sorry, he's, he's down below. We're going to talk about next. Identified Pacalan on two different, type, two different times in the guard station when he just walked past him. Being like, that's him. And was like, that's him. He then was showing him in an interview room and he was like, yeah, that's him. He asked me to kill his wife. Well, he said he asked me to kill his... A woman. A woman. Michael Doyle took to the stand. He insisted his identification of the man that asked him to kill a woman was Pacalan. He said, people can make a mistake, but I did not this time and I will never forget a face. He said he thought the initial request to kill a woman was a, jo- was a joke and he asked the man why he wanted to kill her. He said the man responded, she is threatening to take everything I have, which is the exact same thing she Literally said. Literally what said he said, yeah. The prosecution's case then rested. The following day, Pacalan took to the stand, took to the stand, the stand in his own defence. He agreed he had been carrying an affair with Bridie. He said he called it off with Bridie and he told Philomena about the whole thing. He admitted to being in Dublin on a Sunday in 1994, but he said he went to the hospital to meet Philomena. He then said the interaction with Bulger never happened. He said he was being harassed by the Garda. He then put words, he said that the Garda had put words into his mouth when they were interviewing him. And when asked why he had called the two men winos in the interview with the Garda, he said his solicitor had informed him that they were low-class individuals. The Garda had not informed him who the two witnesses were and they thought it was very odd that he knew that they were winos. Ah. Closing arguments reminded the jury that this case was not about the murder of Philomena but the potential solicitation and they must not consider the murder. Judge Matthew, so the jury returned with a unanimous verdict verdict of guilty of soliciting the murder of his wife. Pat was sentenced to a measly eight years oh in prison. This motherfucker. He sobbed when the verdict was read out. He clasped his hands together and he served six years in prison and then got out and started a long haul business. Of course he did. And has worked an absolute yeah, fortune. Yeah, of course he is the motherfucker. Bridie Gordon said eight years was not enough and that she was just sad that Noni didn't get now, to see Bridie, it. Now, Bridie, Bridie, let said, me say this to you, Bridie. You were riding your sister's husband. Yeah. So maybe shut the fuck up. Yep. Yep. She said that she could never live with what she did and it will live with her, it will haunt her yeah, for the rest should, of her life. Yeah, it should, bitch. And that is the case of the really sad case And the really horrible, terrible outcome of Philomena Galan which is still not solved and no one has ever been prosecuted for. That's insane. 
No one has ever gone to prison for murdering her. She died in a really violent way. Pregnant. Stuffed her in the Her nine-month-old son was put up for adoption. Oh her five-month-old child in her belly died. Like, oh. two people were murdered. Yeah, that baby was murdered too. Oh, my God. Stop murdering women, please. Stop. Like, it's just horrific. But very well done, Sergey. Thank you very much. Incredibly sad. Very, 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 very sad. I hate everything. So anyway, that's the end of that story. It's a terrible story. Don't murder anyone. Like, Please. Stop. Everybody stop. Everybody stop, 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 stop. We're getting stop, into stop, the stop. C word now. C word season. No. So do, do I have to say, stop saying? Yeah. It's getting too close the now. So you can't say it anymore. Yeah. That's how I feel. Uh, what are you going to do this week? To make yourself feel good. Nothing. You have to do something. Wallow in my misery. Are you going to come get pizza with me? Yeah. Will we go on Friday? Sure. We go sit outside in the cold? I know. It'll be nice on Friday. <laughs> will it? I've willed it into existence. It's under the tent, so it, it won't should be, too be bad. It should be okay, I Let's think. Let's see. Continue. I got a new phone. I tell you what, I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> She's having a fierce hard time. I'll never fucking that. do it again. And it's the exact same phone. <laughs> Fucking stupid cunts. AIB need to send me a letter so I can use the online banking because I've got a new phone. It's a lot of, it's a lark. It's going to be between 10 and 13 degrees on Friday and it's not going to rain. That's an Irish summer right there. That is. The weather is weird. have a t-shirt on. It'll be grand. Um, Yeah. But I think that's everything. That's everything now. I Thanks very much. I don't have anything else. Thanks for listening to this week's Happy Christmas. Show. Uh, we'll be back next week with more terribleness. Or death. Uh, maybe we'll do a different story next week. I don't know. Yeah, we can't imagine. see. There's no other horses that got kidnapped and murdered, only so we'll never have a joke again. Only again, one horse. Um, I do have a story. I have a story, but I this. If anybody knows anything about the story, what and can send me any information about it. What is it? It's the Semper robbery. Oh, is that the 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 IRA, the IRA. Oh, went yeah. into Semperit <laughs> Yeah, in the seventies or the eighties, and stole the the wages money. Everybody used to get paid in cash. In cash. It's mad, isn't it? Think about and it? it was a bust, right? It didn't go down very well. But also, when they were there, so there was one security guard on and they gave, they made the security guard drink vodka and they gave him so much that they gave him alcohol poisoning and what he went blind fuck? after it. Jesus! Um, and was never the same after. Why did they give him vodka? Were they like, just get him like all fucked up? I have no idea. I can't get any details about this crime. But I know what happened because I know two people in Ballyferma that were like, yeah, we knew the man that happened to. Oh my God, that's awful. If um, anybody knows about the blind security guard in the IRA, will you give us a shout? The blind security guard in the IRA. That's the name of this week's episode. Right, hold on. Okay, everybody. Have a lovely week. Happy Christmas. Eat lots of nice food. Christmas time. Mistletoe and when. Children singing Christian rhymes. Bye, everybody. I'll start Say the video again. Bye, happy Christmas. My way, I'll chop off your mickey. Sexy crime, sexy crime, crime, sexy crime, sexy crime, sexy crime.